All right, today we'll be in Romans chapter 2. This is Romans class number 6. And we're going to start actually in verse number 6. Romans class 6, Romans chapter 2, verse 6. And we're going to talk today about some ultimate uh, outcomes for man. Now, in chapter 2, if you apply this to... If you apply this just to a, a gospel context, then the, the verses that we're talking about might look like earning salvation or working for salvation. But again, the context of chapter 2 is dealing with men, dealing with lost men. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man. Not O church, not O Israel, O man. Just lost man, doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what religion you are. This chapter deals with men. And, and the necessity of men coming to Christ in that they are found guilty first. You're not justified, you are guilty. And that is the overall context of chapter 2. And keeping that in mind will help us navigate this next six or seven verses without believing in work salvation. And so in verse 6 he says, Who will render to every man according to his deeds? We actually read that verse in the last uh, in the last class, but as an entrance into these ideas, we'll read it again. Who will render God, the judgment of God, it says in verse 5. Who will render to every man according to his deeds, verse 6. Verse 7, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. So at just at face value, it looks like the verse says, if a man does well, and he does it in patient continuance, it, by patient continuance in well-doing. So that means this is a man that does well, he does it patiently, and he continues in it. Not just once a month he does a good deed, but he does well, and he patiently continues in the acts of doing well. If you look at it at face value, verse 7 says that them who by patient continuance in well-doing and the people who seek for glory and honor and immortality, they get eternal life. And we know that according to the gospel, that's not true. We're not saved by works at all. And so what you're talking about is out of the whole collection of humanity. The people who do well, and you can only define that in this context by doing the things that God has told us to do. Uh, Noah patiently continued in the work of building an ark and it saved his family uh, Abraham did what God told him to do Moses did what God told him to do Elijah did what God told him to do Daniel did what God told him to do and they were saved in it as far as their personal situations was concerned they were delivered and salvation in the Old Testament is always uh, carefully referred to as deliverance and that was in their personal lives. They were safe in the covenant of Abraham, but they were delivered in certain things by trusting in God and by patiently continuing in their well-doing. Now, we know from New Testament doctrine that the way to obtain eternal life is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to recognize your sinful condition, to... Uh, to uh, Call on the Lord in the sense that He is your Savior, that you have realized your sinful condition. You've realized His atonement for your sins. You call on the name of the Lord and you're saved. Romans chapter 10. We'll get to that when we're in Romans chapter 10. And we understand that that is well-doing. It is the well-doing of a Christian uh, 
at least I should say, the well-doing of a Christian that results in eternal life is the recognition of his own inability to save himself, the recognition of Christ's sacrifice for his sins, the willingness of God to impute Christ's righteousness to us and lay our sins on Christ on the cross. That is the well-doing that equates to eternal life. Now, there's well-doing. We mentioned it in the last class that we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse uh, uh, 8, 9, and 10. We understand those things. But we should also understand that in the grand scheme of men, there are those who will uh, patiently continue in whatever it is that God uh, has determined for them. Uh, we use the, we, in talking about these things, we use words like, uh, um, we, <laughs> words slipped right off the end of my tongue. Uh, dispensations, we use words like that, which is uh, a great word to describe God's dealing with individuals throughout, t- throughout uh, the whole history of man. Uh, within a certain time period. God dealt with Adam. And you can see these things in the book of Romans. God dealt with Adam through Moses in one particular way. In that in that stretch of time, there was God's dealing with Abraham. God dealt with Abraham as he dealt with no other man. As a matter of fact, the whole rest of uh, the Israeli history from Abraham to Christ was dealt with in response to how God dealt with Abraham. Inside that period from Abraham to Christ, God also dealt with men in a specific way as it related to his dealings with Moses, in which men who were under the covenant of Abraham could be cut out of the covenant of Abraham by certain infractions on uh, laws given by Moses. So it can be complicated, but we often study things that are complicated. We figure out uh, Adobe programs or Microsoft programs, and we figure out all these things that help us in our daily lives. It's reasonable that we should get in the Word of God and rightly divide it and figure out uh, the way God has dealt with man. It's really a more noble way of spending our time than the way we, you know, I just can't stay in the Bible. I can't read the Bible because it's too difficult. Yeah, but you're stuck with Microsoft. Uh, You stuck with the Android system or the Apple system until you figured that out. So that was advantageous to you. And you don't recognize the the Christian uh, operating uh, programs to be advantageous to you. And you won't figure it out until you do realize that it is uh, advantageous to you. The Bible is the best app you'll ever uh, get involved with. But at any rate... In the grand scheme of things, in the grand in the grand overview of the history of men, those who by patient continuance and well-doing, those that seek for the glory and honor and immortality, you find eternal life. Now, the, the, the ultimate thing there in the verse is that immortality. A man who is looking to do the right thing, he's looking to be justified by God, he's looking to be right, by God's standards, that man will look for, hey, I want this, uh, Adam lost immortality, I want to get it back. Well, uh, when you come to Christ in the New Testament, you find that that immortality is found in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the ultimate end, eternal life. But to them that are contentious, the rebels, the hippies, the uh, the self-centered people, the self-esteemed people, uh, the the people who 
want to do things their own way, that person back in verse 1 who's judging everybody else without even knowing they're condemning themselves, this is the people that's being described uh, from the beginning of history to the end of history. To them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish. That's the result of that life. And so he says, uh, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. And that is the uh, extreme opposite of the results of the gospel. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth. Check the next phrase, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, damnation is also to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The law was committed to that Jew. He thought it was for his justification, but he found it to be uh, to his damnation. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Where there's no law, there's no condemnation. There is no, uh, there's, there's no specific judgment, as we'll learn once we get to Romans 5. And we'll leave that concept for Romans chapter 5. That may pique a, um, an interest in your mind or maybe an argument in your mind, but we will deal with that when we get to Romans chapter 5. Who will render uh, to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish, four results, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish, upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. Back to the good. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. So then, here again, if you take the verse just at face value and not within the context, then it looks like uh, a man who works good gets glory and honor and peace. And that's just not, that's just not the case. Uh, there is, uh, again, because it is an overarching uh, context you can say that a good man can do good things and he reaps what he sows so he might gain some glory might gain honor he might gain some type of peace but that's really can't be applied doctrinally because we know that peace is a fruit of the holy spirit and i don't believe any lost man has peace even if he has a measure of honor and success so this is really and truly an overall aspect it's not teaching work salvation but it is teaching that in the grand scheme of things a man that submissive to God searches for God he'll find God and he'll have the glory honor and peace which comes from God which no man who is rebellious and contentious can ever find so uh, so in that case verse 12 follows for as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law so there's no work salvation uh, and there's no there's no requirement for you to understand the law of Moses in order to be saved, which oftentimes we use. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. 
And so there are some people who would think, well, a guy in the deepest, darkest Africa or deepest, darkest South America who's never heard the gospel, if he just lives according to the, the dictates of his heart, then he, he could be saved because God's not going to hold him in response, uh, not going to hold him responsible for the things that he didn't know. That's not true. That's not a truth. Because the Bible says, as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And this is, we're, we're not talking about Old Testament uh, in the sense of people being destroyed in the Old Testament because of sin or because their iniquities were so great. We're talking about and in the in the overall sense of the things. In this case, it would bring us to the great white throne judgment, which is a study we'll do at another time. But they'll be judged out of their book, out of the books. If your name's not found in the book of life, you'll be cast into the lake of fire. It's that simple. There's no weighing out of good works or bad works there. And so he says here in this case, he says, as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. And so you can make a case out of this that people will perish. Remember John three sixteen, people that believe on Christ will not perish. These people, they don't have the law, but they are going to perish. But they're, they're, judgment will be without the law they won't be the 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 severity of their uh, condemnation will not be as if they knew and went against god but they will perish otherwise there's no need for the mandate to go into all the world and preach the gospel but he says so uh, he says in this case for not the hearers of the law are just before god but the doers of the law shall be justified for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. So this tells us that it's not the law of God that men will be judged by who have never heard the gospel, but it's by the law that's written in their own hearts. If you go into the, the darkest parts of the world, who the people that is often referred to as heathen who don't know God's law, who are not civilized in the manner that the, the Christian world or the developed world has come to a, a, a knowledge of what God understands or what we understand from God to be God's rules and regulations. Those people in the darkest parts of the world, they still know in their heart not to kill one another. And uh, they still have a sense of personal property uh, as when it comes to coveting and stealing and different things like that. And so God will judge them out of that. Uh, and uh, we're not going to discuss, you know, nine levels of hell or anything like that. But I do know that Jesus said that it, it would uh, it was it would be better for the people in Sodom and Gomorrah than it would be for the people in God's own land, people in Israel who knew God and rebelled against God. He said that the difference between those things would be great. The difference in their punishment. He said it'd be, it'd be worse for those people who knew God and rejected God than it would have been for those in Sodom and Gomorrah. And you can look those things up in the scriptures yourself and see those things very clearly. And so 
They're a law unto themselves, the Bible says, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or excusing one another. So definitely Romans chapter 2 is not telling us that a man who never heard the gospel but he followed his conscience and didn't kill somebody, it's not saying that he's going to be justified and get to go to heaven. It's actually teaching the exact opposite. If his heart told him that he shouldn't kill, then he realized that there was a set of rules out there. There was a set of rules and regulations and boundaries out there. Just the way that a Jew should have looked at Exodus chapter 20 and said, what are these rules and regulations for? And once you start trying to follow those rules and regulations, and at the end of the year, you still have to make a sacrifice for sins, then something must be wrong. If I'm following the rules and I still have to make a sacrifice for sins, what's the problem here? And so uh, that man that's, you know, in the darkest part of the world and he's saying, man, I'm about to kill this guy. No, I better not kill this guy. That should speak volumes about his own condition. Why would I think about killing this guy? Then his heart starts to bother him. There's something wrong with me. And this is, this, by the way, is the instigator for missionary work. I should say evangelical work because it's more of a biblical term. You know, Paul in the book of Acts, they, the man of Macedonia says, come over and help us. Uh, a man gets vision. I believe man, men, Christian men, has Christian vision. They have a desire to go and do a, a gospel work. And I believe it's supernatural and, and certainly can be supernatural. But I believe that this comes from not only a Christian's desire to do the right thing, uh, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but I believe it can also be a result of somebody in some place realizing there's something wrong with me. I'm flawed. I just wanted to kill that man, and my heart tells me I shouldn't kill him. There's a conflict there that needs resolving. I wonder what it is. I wonder if it's spiritual. I wonder if some spirit is trying to lead me or guide me, or maybe a spirit's trying to lead me astray. I need answers. And it's the very same as, as what Paul saw with uh, the Macedonians. And so it's not, man's conscience is not the, uh, something that will uh, pay for his own sin debt. That's not, it's not possible. And when you think of it in that light, you can do away with the teaching that I've often heard taught, even in, in uh, Bible-believing circles that say, well, you know, somebody that never heard, if he followed his heart, then, you know, he'll, if he followed his conscience, then that would excuse him before God. But that is not what the scripture says. And this accusing and excusing one another for conscience sake is something that's going on between men. And as we said before about this chapter, it's not talking about saved men or lost men. It's just talking about men in general use this process of accusing or excusing one another in light of what their heart is telling them. And it just so happens that uh, to a great extent, their heart is agreeing with the God's word they may or may not have ever read to begin with. So let's read 15 and 16 again. And he says, so, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now, uh, there's a, a parenthetical statement there. So you could actually get a, a, a better 
because it is a parenthetical statement, there's not a, sm a smooth transition between verse 15 and 16. But if you went back to uh, verse 12, where the parenthetical statement begins, and you read 12 and 16 together, there's the complete thought. So he says, For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. According to my gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the atonement of sins. That is going to be how men are judged, not by their own hearts. So we'll read a, little, a few more verses. We're at 20 minutes. We'll read a few more verses and just kind of build a foundation for the next class. Behold, thou art called a Jew and restest in the law and makest thy boast of God and knowest his will and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. Here's the guy that's, uh, he's a Jew, but he's a lost Jew. He's a Jew that hadn't believed on Christ. And he, uh, according to verse 1, is uh, excusing himself and condemning uh, his neighbor or he's judging somebody else and actually condemning himself by doing it, well, this is a further explanation of that concept. No, uh, he said, you know God's will in verse 18. This is what you're saying about yourself. Verse 17, 18, 19 these are things that the man is saying about himself. A lost Gentile might say, well, I've never killed nobody. And a Jew might say the same thing. A Jew might say, hey, you know, I'm following God's will. I'm following the law of Moses. Behold, thou art called a Jew and restest in the law and makest thy boast of God and knowest his will and approvest things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law and are confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you as it is written. For uh, circumcision verily profiteth if thou keep the law, but if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. So this goes back to what we were talking about in class number, uh, class number uh, five, in that a man that's condemning somebody else for telling a lie, he can also find dishonesty in himself. A man that gets on his neighbor because he committed adultery, he knows that he's committed adultery in his heart already. And that's exactly uh, what he's saying in verse 17 through uh, 24, 25, and 26. He's saying that this uh, breaking the law, you're keeping the law, you think you know the law, but you're breaking the law in little places that's making the whole thing be broken. Uh, you're nitpicking when it comes to somebody else, but you're being very liberal, very considerate, very compassionate uh, when it comes to yourself. He says you don't realize that you're you're an idolater. You, you teach against idolatry, but you're an idolater. You teach against adultery, but you're an adulterer. You're, you don't realize that just following rules doesn't make you 
a good person. Following rules means you're submitting yourself to the fact that if the rules weren't there, you would be you would be breaking them. There's no other reason to follow a rule. There's no other reason to look at a, a list of rules and order your life by those rules if there's no possibility of you doing the things that are contained in the rule. Listen, if you're going to look at a list of rules and one of them says not to commit adultery, I don't need to go look at that thing every day and say, yeah, I need to remind myself not to commit adultery today. I don't have to do that if there's no possibility that I'm going to commit adultery. I don't have to look at a list of rules that says be honest Unless I know in the back of my mind there's a possibility I'm going to be dishonest. If I'm going to be an honest, faithful man to my wife, I don't need a set of rules to say, um, be honest and don't commit adultery. But God knows that we are. God gave us the rules and instead of men saying, oh my goodness, we're doomed, they started trying to keep those rules and judge each other very harshly by those rules but be very easy on themselves to the point where they're breaking all the rules just not as bad as somebody else it's easier to forgive myself and that's a great part of uh, class five so i'm not going to rehash that too much but that is again being repeated in verse 18 19 20 21 on down through verse 26 what was told you in a couple of verses verse one two and three being elaborated on more now and it's not just old man now he's being specific you jews they're going to say you don't need to be saved because you have the law this is even more so important to you and you'll see this idea about circumcision and uncircumcision ramping up as we go on through the book of romans especially uh especially some difficult portions over towards chapter six and seven So we may as well finish the verse. We're still at well under 30 minutes. We'll go ahead and finish the chapter. So uh, he says in verse 26, Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who are by the letter and uh, circumcision, does transgress the law? He's saying that a man could easily, uh, a lost man, albeit, or a Gentile man, he could very he could very easily have a, a good moral character, take a look at the Jewish religion and say, boy, there's a lot of inconsistencies right there. And so he's saying if a man if a man is keeping the law of God, pretending to judge everybody else while he's guilty, along comes a Gentile who has high moral standard and who has a, a mind that's Uh, efficient enough to recognize what he's looking at sees a hypocritical Jew he's being harsh on everybody else he's being very easy on himself and so the Gentiles now judging the Jew a Gentile without the law is judging a Gentile that has the law a Gentile that is without the law recognizes that the Jew is transgressing the law easier than the Jew who has the law recognizes it In other words, the Jew has deceived himself. The thinking man has condemned the Jew. And of course, he doesn't have a right to judge the Jew either. 
because he's just as sinful. That goes back to verse number one. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges. So we've dealt with Gentile and Jew and found them both to be guilty. That's why in chapter three you get the conclusion. For all have sinned, not just Jews have sinned, not just Gentiles, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so he says here, And shall not the uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee? Didn't say it would go to heaven. It said if a man is not killing and sees you killing and calling it good, or sees you, you know, committing adultery and hiding it while you're still judging everybody else, this Jew's going to judge you to be unfit. Or this Gentile is going to judge you to be unfit. And so verse number 28 here it says another statement that often gets uh, gets uh, misinterpreted. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly. Now this is not a reference to to the Gentile who recognizes the inconsistencies of the Jew. That's not what this is talking about. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly. Now, this is not saying that the the Gentile that recognizes the inconsistency of the law keepers. This is not the this is not the Gentile who recognizes uh, that the Jews are failing to live up to the uh, to the standards of God's law. It's not that's not calling him a spiritual Jew. But what it is saying, it's saying that. A Jew is not somebody who pretends to follow the law outwardly. That's not a Jew. He's saying a true Jew, one of God's real Judaistic followers of Moses. He says he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not a member of God. And basically what he's saying in those last two verses is you've got a man who's after God's own heart and you've got Saul. You've got David and you've got Saul. You've got Saul who, who was valiant for God. He was valiant for his nation. He did great things. And then in the end, he revealed that he wasn't trying to follow God at all. Then on the other hand, You've got David, who was a man after God's own heart, who did as many bad things as Saul did. But in the end, when when the prophet said, you've done wrong, he didn't get mad like Saul got mad, but he, he humbled himself. He repented. You're right, I have done a bad thing, and I do deserve judgment. And he fell on his face, and he cried, and he fasted, and he, he had a heart that was right toward God. This is not a man that's just trying to follow rules until it benefits him not to follow the rules. He's going to follow the rules and he's going to break the rules. But inside that law is doing the work on him that it should do. And when the when the law says he shouldn't do this. He says yes you're right to the law. But when the preacher or the prophet comes to him and says you have broke the law. His response is not self-will. His response is not, uh, is not uh, rebellion. But his response is. God is right and I am wrong and I must get right with God. That's the response and that is what a true Jew is. That is what a true follower of Old Testament religion is. And it's the difference between the Pharisees and the apostles. It's a difference between Korah and Moses. It's a, it's a, there's, the difference is clear throughout the Old Testament between believer, unbeliever, repentant, unrepentant, 
uh, obedient versus rebel rebellion and that is the thing that has to be dealt with inside the heart of man this verse in no way shape or form is saying that christians are spiritual jews or any such thing as that jews and gentiles have been placed into one body which is christ's body the church we're not worried about being a replacement for israel or spiritual jews or any such thing as that this chapter was built specifically for convincing all of men jew or gentile that we are all sinners and have come short of the glory of god and that is uh with no coincidence involved the context of the very next chapter we'll get into uh next time all right we better stop right there we're running over time